Hello and thank you for downloading Discussing Documentaries podcast with myself, Matt Wills and Rick Wharton. Today we are talking about searching for Sugar Man. It's from the year 2012. We watched it on Sky Documentaries. I think we're now like a professional couple properly, aren't we? Because we've we've got the same logins to stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Or or you're just, you're you're more like an uncle that doesn't understand technology. (laughs) Hi, what's your email address for Uncle Jim? Hi, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, we watched it on Sky Documentaries, and I think it was from Studio Canal. Uh, the director, it was written, directed, and edited by Malik Benjaloo. The opening weekend was in the United Kingdom, and it grossed $108,000. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I didn't know any of this until after I'd watched it. His overall grossing number for this one was $9,133,712. I wonder who that money went to. <laughs> well, exactly, right? <laughs> and I only checked that out afterwards because part of the way through this documentary, I texted you that I didn't send it and I went, this is bullshit, man. I'm turning this shit off. Sorry. You need to remove my picking privileges because I was so disconnected from it. Um but and all of this I read afterwards, so I'm I'm glad I didn't read this beforehand, and I think I'm gonna do that moving forward. So it won the BAFTA for the best documentary, and it also won the Oscar for the best documentary, wow. plus forty-one other wins, plus thirty-three other nominations where just, it didn't win. Just quickly. I I didn't first I didn't realise there was an Oscar for documentaries. Nope. But can you imagine being up on that stage of like, say, literally, I know I bring up a lot, Daniel Day-Lewis spending two years in a wheelchair to play my left foot correctly. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, the wheel nearly fell on us. Look at this. He's <laughs> <laughs> holding you looking for an Oscar next to him. <laughs> can you believe it? <laughs> no, no. So what happens is you walk one way for a really long amount of time and then you've you got to turn back and you got to go to that. I did the boom mic on that. <laughs> yeah. Just just Project Nim sat there throwing yeah. shit going, this is bullshit. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Daniel Day-Lewis is like, I busted my fucking hub. What, what, what's going on with these guys? What did they do? Just, I find that the, the level he goes to for method acting is just fascinating. Like, thank God he never ended up in an X-Men movie because, like, when he goes away to speak to his agent... <laughs> His missus mustn't know who's coming back through the doors. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, fuck, he's levitating. You got the Magneto gig. <laughs> Can you put the spoons down, Daniel? I know you're taking this a bit serious. <laughs> he's quit, isn't he? He only does um, roles that interest him, and that's why he's lauded as a fantastic actor. Now, I don't think his movie, like, I don't care about the Abraham Lincoln movie. I don't care about, like, um, my left hook because they just look depressing as shit, but he does depict perfectly. <laughs> it, like, he does act What is out. next deck Oscar acceptance? Hi, I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank the writers. And just a quick note to Rick Wharton on discussing documentaries. They're not all depressing. This was a comedy, you fucker. Right, there was, next. Um, 
Because, yeah, I think it was a producer O'Neill line when they were talking about on the set of Gangs of New York, don't talk to Daniel Day-Lewis because he is the butcher of fucking Mayfair right now. <laughs> like He studied to be a butcher. Wow. So And it was so he could hold the knife correctly in one scene. I love that level of insanity. I think that's beautiful. It makes me feel bad because I, I, I'm not willing to work that hard on my dreams from the <laughs> off. From the off. There's a great story between Dustin Hoffman and Laurence Olivier on Marathon Man where Laurence Olivier looks at him and says, are you all right, Dustin? And he went, oh, I'm a bit knackered, you know, really, really tired. And he goes, why is that? And he goes, you know, because I'm running a lot because that's what my character does. And Laurence Olivier said, have you ever considered just acting? Yep. That, that's it, right? Just Daniel, you can act. You've clearly got a talent. Just do that, son. Imagine if you tried stand-up comedy. Wait, um, it's the old, oh, what was it? The one that got Leonardo DiCaprio the Oscar. You ever seen The Revenant? Yeah. I thought yeah. that was one of the most boring pieces of shit I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it... I really? It's because he's just, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Interesting scene when he gets mauled by a bear, but it's just like, it's almost, if you had a ticky box of everything you need to do to show a, a range of emotion in a movie, that's all it is. Just Leo, look like you fucking nearly died, slight amount of joy, sorrow. It's like, because that is the one they, apparently they literally made it so he could get the Oscar. Like, that was the purpose of it. Well, they also did no. Um, they did no lighting in that one. They used all natural light. All oh, right. Yeah. So uh, there was a yeah. There was a load of groundbreaking stuff on that one. Again, I'm more about the story, which is why if we get to the Sugar Man now, when I first look at this, I'm like, the Sugar Man. Yeah, we'll do that, Matt. What is it? Is this like <laughs> you done this as a pity one, didn't you? No, no, going, no. Because I put him through hell. I let's go. Okay, let's go I, with this. Do you know when you get a seven best documentaries thing? Oh, seven best movies or a meme, you yeah, got to yeah. click through them. You only get through the first couple due to the adverts, but Sugar Man's usually on there, and I couldn't remember what it was about. No, I didn't know what it was about. So I'm like, the Sugar Man? Oh, like, is that like a true crime? Is this like the thing that Candyman's based on? Is it? Is it like the story of how like uh, the sugar industry's actually been killing us all for like 100 years and like the dastardly things they do and really shine the light on that? I'm like... Oh, no, no, an artist doesn't appreciate... Oh, for fuck's sake, Matt. <laughs> you are goddamn fucking well, kidding me. <laughs> like, so the blurb is, right, let's just set, set the scene first of all. So the blurb is there's two South Africans and they set out to discover what happened to their unlikely musical hero, the mysterious 1970s rock and roller, Rodriguez. Now, a, f a few friends have recommended this to me. So uh, my mate Amanda, she's recommended it quite a few times. She's like, just watch it. Don't worry about your stupid podcast. Just watch the documentary. Hey. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um, Dale, fan of the show, Dale, he's recommended it a ton of the ton of times. I'm beginning um, to think Dale's just a Russian bot, bless him. He likes that much. Of our stuff. <laughs> Does Dale exist? <laughs> is he just yeah, Dale's real. Uh, either that or I hung around with someone and done a lot of drugs with someone. Who doesn't exist? That I, could I, he, he might not exist. You might be right. I can completely <laughs> imagine Matt in a beautiful mind situation where, like, I don't actually exist. You're just having a one-sided <laughs> conversation with a wall right now, Matt. You're like, I helped you move house. La 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 la. la. <laughs> so they've all recommended this documentary. So I'm already like, well, those people know me quite well. 
they like watching documentaries. Okay, so this must be worth a go, right? So it, it opens up and it's a South African fella chatting. Now, I love the South African accent, right? So I was raised partly by a South African. So my stepmom's South African. So listen to this guy speak and I'm like, okay, if he's telling me off, he's going to call me Matthew, right? And I'll go, I'm going to have to sit up straight here. I'm going to have to be good. And then you see him driving down the coast and it looks like where my dad and my stepmom lived, right, in Spain. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Absolutely awesome. And for the first few minutes, I was so in on this documentary. And then I went, oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Oh, Rick, I'm so sorry. Uh, please don't kick me off the podcast. I st- can I please have pl- picking privileges for Studio 54? Can you imagine the logistics if I was to execute you from this podcast, Matt? I'd be like, yeah, we're done, not working a few again. How long would it take before I was like, could I have the passwords and the information? How do you do this thing? The little the, the, the audio clips you put out on Facebook, they were all right. Is that a... You know when um, Steve Cold Austin fell out with Vince McMahon and they had to make up? <laughs> oh, my up. God. Like, don't stop it. You've just hit so many names wrong there. That really upset me there, Matt. <laughs> no, it was That's Steve, like if I Stone turned, Cold Austin. It's St- Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Austin. Steve Austin. Yeah, That's yeah. like if I go, do you remember when Gianfranco De Canio scored that goal for West Ham? But so they, they started off and it's a South African dude in the car and like he's talking about it and I'm like, if you put a dinner jacket over his T-shirt, that is an open mic comic just being like, hey, this might work yeah. out. I'm going to do a video. And then they tell you a nugget of information. He says, um, but he then set himself on fire in front of the audience and killed himself. And I went. Yeah, that's Rodriguez, the, the singer who they loved, not not the South African guy. All right. I'll, I'll check this out. Where's this going? So the first person we meet is a it's a producer called Dennis Coffey. And he talks about meeting Rodriguez. Now he does this thing that really kind of irritates me. And he, he's it, only was it a level of insincerity? Was it that? Uh, do you know what? It was the way he talked. Um, yeah. He goes, oh, it was in Detroit and it was the 80s. And he had the mist coming off the river. Right, and then and then you go inside, and there's a smoke, and then you walk inside, and there's a shining light, and this light just made you feel like this, and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? If this guy was telling me a story, I want to put his face through a wall, like, and, yeah. t- and it's just filler. But then they went, listen, he's better than Bob Dylan. You've just never heard of him. Yeah. Now at that point, there was always a nugget of information I found funny. And I think I called it for something coming later on within it about that, about the Dylan comparison, which was um, Bob Dylan changed his name because he had like, I think it was a very Jewish sounding name. Right. And he was just like, this is America in the fucking, you know, it, that doesn't 60s, sell. 60s, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would just call myself Bob Dylan. And then super fucking star. Whereas this guy, Rodriguez, I'm like, I don't think this. we know this guy because he sounds fucking Mexican. If I know my yes. American folklore, I think that's definitely yeah. the reason. Um, and and the songs are really catchy, right? So The songs are brilliant. And they're great, I really like them. Like I t- and they're the backdrop of the whole documentary. So I can't get that Sugar Man song out of my head. Yeah. Sugar Man. And then the interview a guy... Who's, uh, this was funny. So the interview, like this builder, 
and it'll come into why he's a builder later. But they interview him like outside a pub in winter in Detroit. And it's like they literally, you can see his face turning blue. He's that cold as they're interviewing. It was like, yeah, can you come on this documentary? Yeah, can we make you as uncomfortable as possible just for the aesthetics? All right, just for the aesthetic. I need you to freeze your bollocks off while talking to us. And the reason why the South African guy is there in the first place is because Rodriguez in South Africa was massive. Absolutely massive. But you couldn't buy his album. So that that's kind of a whole crux of the documentary. So they're going through it. And basically, they spend a lot of time explaining who the... And his own music is the backing track to it as well. The Sugar yes, Man yeah, songs yeah, yeah. Uh, from the Sugar album. Man. And it's it's quite artistically put together, but you're kind of thinking, where's this going to an extent? Yes, yeah, yeah. And then you then you discover, oh, like little things. And I thought, ah, oh, I started getting Cecil Hotel flashbacks. That's going to be with us for a while because he did a song, and the opening line was he <laughs> he got fired two weeks before Christmas, and then the record label dropped him two weeks before Christmas. And it's like he's a prophet. He's a poet. <laughs> So when when you refer to someone as a prophet because they called something bad up, like, uh, and then you discover that like uh, his songs made it out to South Africa, and this is during the apartheid, and it's a super yes. huge hit. Like he's bigger than the Rolling Stones in South Africa. He's bigger than Elvis Presley in South Africa. Yeah. So can you explain just as as a microcosm? Because I'm an idiot. I know it's just like. Is what exactly was the apartheid? Because I've heard it mentioned. I know it was that kind of a racial divide, and I know it was, it was similar to exactly Nazi that. Germany. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't similar to Nazi Germany. I mean, it was bad, right? It was really bad. So effectively, um, they split. They split you by color. So white people uh, who were the ruling class, and and were weirdly enough in the minority. Um, they were in charge and it was the white and blacks. So blacks could only do this and only go here and had to sit on this part of the bus or had to ride their own buses. And the white people could do this. So think of um, the Deep what, South in the 60s in so America. Really, the Jonestown basketball team went to the wrong part of town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they entered the wrong league. <laughs> and it was, it was terrible, right? So, for instance, and if... If you was to sell Rodriguez's album, which you couldn't do anyway because you couldn't bloody get a copy in the 70s, because it was such a conservative country, they didn't really even allow um, TVs. Okay. So since it's so heavily um, censored over there is one of, the, one of the points they made, one of the songs that made it over. And I, I got a little funny thing about this, as um, it, like at least in my mind, because the song is... I wonder how many times you've had sex is the song title. And it's yeah, like yeah. him talking about how many, and I don't, I don't think I heard enough of the song, but I'm going to guess is how many previous sexual partners like his female companion had. And it's just like, I love if you ever find a song where it sounds really nice, but the lyrics just aren't acceptable today. And I've showed you, and I've listened to you how much I love Jimmy Nail's, um, it no doubt. <laughs> Cause she's lying. Yeah, it's it's just such a great song, and like, cause and then when you watch the video of Modern Eyes, it's this woman going, "I don't want nobody else," and Jimmy Jimmy Neil's talking to himself, going, "She's lying to you, Jimmy. <laughs> I don't need nobody else. I wouldn't stand for it, mate. She's treating you like a mug." <laughs> and there's another one. There's a Tony Christie one called "Drive Safely, Darling." 
which is if you ever get a chance to listen to Tony Christie drive safely, darling, it is one of the most morbidly funny songs you've ever heard in your fucking life. So it's just like it's so he's like an old school, you know, like is this the way to Amarillo guy, Tony Christie? Yeah, yeah. He goes, it's like, drive safely, darling. It's like, and the whole story of the song is she's going to her mother's. He didn't want to go, but he doesn't think she's a very good driver. <laughs> and then the weatherman says, there's ice outside. And then at the end of the song, and then there's a knock at the door, and I knew why. Oh, one of the lyrics is, <laughs> one of the early lyrics was, um, at first I was happy she was gone, and then it got to dinner time, basically, <laughs> is, the, is the idea you have of this man around the house. So she died. It goes, it was the police officer. He goes, there's been an accident. She didn't stand a chance. And it goes, quiet. And then the beat kicks back. And it goes, drive safely, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking told her she couldn't parallel park. <laughs> and it's just so fucking ridiculous. Like, uh, yeah. So, like, when, when it heard that, I kind of got vibes of that about it. But again, the songs, he's a hell of a musician, this guy. He's he a is. hell of a musician. And, yeah. and I would, I, I like, I've listened to a lot of Bob Dylan. I would say I prefer Sugar Man to Dylan. Like, I would, yeah. and he only done, he done two albums, right? And he disappeared. And basically, the South Africans, the lads, they want to know what happened to him because they'd heard he'd, um, he'd, yeah, set a light to himself on stage. Um, one of them heard that he had a bad gig. And at the end of the gig, it went so bad, he pulls a gun out and he blows his brains out. How many I've, gigs have you been to where you I, wanted to do that? I've fantasized about doing that on Live at the Apollo. <laughs> 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 but um, so they start, and this is when they, I always try and, uh, I always get kind of triggered by hyperbole. So they show you the revolutionary or the like or the social change coming in South Africa. Yes. And then yeah, they yeah. start to put, the sugar man's music to this yes. and um so all these white guys are doing songs and it's like they wouldn't have the, we and then they show like the the brutal attacks the police had yeah on it and the, the changing of mentalities but like they're giving him a lot of credit for that whereas like if you look up uh during say the time of um the london bombings on the tubes the number one song was the cartoons with the witch doctor how did that go? Uh, and and it's like ooh ee ooh ah, ah ting tang walla walla bing bang. And if you ever saw <laughs> an advert that led a movement, yeah, and be like, do you know what? If it wasn't for the cartoons, I don't think we would have believed we could have affected the change in the West like that. Like if there was just like you know like a. a, a, a I Al Qaeda led documentary, and then they're just they're just all the terrorists going ooh ee ooh ah, ah ting tang walla walla bing bang ooh ee ooh ah, ah. hey witch doctor tell us the magic words it's like you can't that's just the soundtrack to what you were listening to at the time you can't put too much stock in what that created like in my opinion I think that just would have happened anyway if you're listening to Zeppelin. Um, <laughs> no, but they've they've hooked their so the musicians of the time who helped well. They, it's tough to hear how a bunch of white musicians in South Africa believe that they helped a movement. I know, I know. That's one right. thing that did. Uh... That's a little bit. That's a grasp and a half. I think there that they're reaching for that. Yeah, our music. Uh, yeah, it helped bring about change. Actually, it wasn't. It was economic sanctions from around the globe about a, a really weird political regime. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, oh, well, that song you wrote, yeah, it was that as well. So, what happens is they re release 
Sugar Man's, or sorry, Rodriguez's CDs. Um, they re-released his album, sorry, on CD. And the initial bloke who we met, the first South African, just puts a little note in there and says, hey, listen, I can't find anything out about Rodriguez. If you know anything about him, would you please contact me? And he no, he doesn't think anything more of it. And then a musical detective appears. A what now? <laughs> a is, web sleuth, you say? Is, I think that, yeah, I think this is exactly where you got triggered slightly. And I'm like, I was oh, out. Man. By no. this stage, I'm out. But and this is how he pulls me back in, right? Because he said this. Basically, he, he was a journalist and he wanted to write some some articles. And one of his ideas was, hey, what happened to that Rodriguez guy? And then he reads this on a CD and he went, oh, OK, I'm going to follow this up. And then he says, if you find things easy, that's just not inspiring. And that's it. I suddenly went, what'd you say, mate? Oh, OK. And he started reeling me back in, this journalist guy, because he went, everyone told me it couldn't be done and it was all bullshit. I was like, oh, OK. Because this is where I, we, that's my we whole are life. very polar opposites because anything that I've tried once and been all right, I'm like, ah, I'm good at this. I'll do this. That's <laughs> <laughs> Until this became difficult and I've stopped. <laughs> now, the only reason I've done anything is because people tell me I can't do it. And I'm like, don't, don't tell me I can't do stuff. They're like, I, I got you, friends you like can't that. You can skydive. They're yes, all, I can. They're all very successful, but I am still, still in a two-week discussion on on whether or not my curtains are open at a certain time. <laughs> so, so I do have a little bit of digging my feet into the ground. I'm, I'm close to fucking bricking up the windows at this point out of spice. <laughs> If only you'd finish the uh, How to Be a Bricky course, you could get down and, and do it. Yeah, so the South African journalist was Craig Bartholomew. And basically, he tracks down a fella. And this, for me, was the turning point in the documentary for that section. Because I found the whole documentary worked in sections for me. So there was like, what, like the beginning bit, I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking brilliant. Then the next bit, I was like, oh, this is shit. And then there was another bit of, oh, no, actually, this is going to be really, really good. And then it would go shit again. And I felt that for the whole documentary. It was a roller coaster of, of, of shit versus, oh, actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm out. I'm in. It was like the okie-cokie of documentaries. Also, you don't realise, I don't know if it's age or it's just his biology, but depending on what Matt eats really, really depicts... <laughs> So I, if he, I imagine on one side of him he had salted peanuts and on the other side of him he had roasted peanuts. And depending on which hand he used to scoop a peanut in his mouth, depending on whether or not he enjoyed that five minutes of content. <laughs> so uh, there is an element of truth in that because at the moment, me and the missus, we're, we're going to move back into keto, right? Achieve ketosis. But we want ketosis. Uh, I've not got, lost weight, but I've got a really spotty back. It's amazing. <laughs> Well, we're even buying the strips that you wee on to tell you if you're in ketosis. <laughs> oh my god! This... I'm sorry, Matt. Why? Listen, what's one of the big fucking pro? Like the one of the big issues is the headaches you get. Now, why didn't we record this yesterday? <laughs> I had a really bad headache, but and I, but yeah, because I've, I've I've hurt my neck again. So, um, but the thing is, because we we're going to get into this ketosis diet, I won't chuck away food. So I'm like, well, we have to eat it. So, for instance, I got five kilograms of chocolate on my 50th birthday, right? 
that's gone. That took me a week to eat five kilos of... Ch- five kilos, I've just Rick. got an image of, do you know, the giant joke chocolate bar you have. I just got an image of it being yeah. that. <laughs> wow. Loads of it. But that's hilarious because every time we start a new diet, it's like, all right, so next week, food plan, no cut, yeah. don't do this. And it's like one last takeout then. The last, it's like the last <laughs> cigarette, you know what I mean? Well, we've got to go. If, if we're never going to eat bad food again, we might as well get a massive Chinese in, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, he, it, and he can cook something. It was. <laughs> so basically, I won't chuck away food, so I'm having to eat it. So I've got a huge bag of porridge. So I'm having that every day. And it's, yeah, it's, it's mushing my head up a bit. <laughs> well, what's this diet? I live like Oliver the Twist. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so on one of the up points of the documentary, the uh, South African journalist, Craig Bartholomew, who's searching for Rodriguez, he tracks down the uh, the owner of the people who produced the first album in the 70s. And his name was Clarence Avant. He was hands down the most interesting person in this documentary to me. Apart from the sugar man guy, Right, because this is this is why because they're following the money. They're like, so how come this guy yes. is known? How can we find where does the money go? Where we buy records to South Africa, who gets sent the royalty checks? Yep. And they went, it's A and M Records, I believe it is, or it's, it's basically it's the guy who later started Motown Records. So he's a big deal. Yeah, mass. He he's not just a big deal. He is the big deal. He's a kingmaker. Worked with I think Jackson, all of them, like like the absolute. He is. Janet Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Bill Withers, Dion Warwick. And he starts talking, and I think he felt well, I, I again, this is the kind this kind of interview is why I love a documentary. So they go to him and he starts talking about, you know, the history of the sugar man, the talent of who he is. Do you know what I mean? This the sad yeah. story of he was the best. You see the list of everyone he's worked, he says he was in my top five. Yeah. And then they start asking about the money, and he gets pissed off. He closes <laughs> down this conversation like I've never seen. Like I know people who do this. I probably do this in the chat that I don't want to be in. A, he dismisses it. B, he mocks it. And C, he's just like, "Hey, motherfucker!" Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. And he leans, he leans into the camera <laughs> to be in, in. to be yeah. intimidating. Goes, listen here, sonny. <laughs> listen, <laughs> who gives a shit? You know, like this isn't gonna. And it's just like so. Basically, this guy fucking got this guy's cash and started Motown Records off the back of it, is my opinion. I, I honestly think no, this guy screwed it, him over. D- no, he didn't. And here's the thing. Do you know who Clarence, do you know who that guy was? Clarence Avant? It, just the Motown Records guy. I don't know anything like that. Uh, okay. He's he's called the Black Godfather. And they did everything legit. The Godfather, yeah. Right. <laughs> so there's a Netflix documentary about him, the Black Godfather. Here's what President Obama says of Clarence Avant. Clarence is the bridge from a time when there was no opportunity to a time where doors began to open. That We've got to do that documentary. We've at least got to watch it. I just want to ask it, him more questions about the money because this guy is an asshole because they've clearly took him no, out to not. dinner. No, he's He's Clarence of they, they've he's the Black him. Godfather. Listen to the way he actually goes, yeah, but... The, the royalties went to your money. Who gives a shit? What, I mean, what, what, yeah. what, what was going on in South Africa? What was it, like six people? Yeah. What, yeah. what, they, were, what they were free for an hour? And I'm like, yeah, but these royalty checks, like, who gives a shit about these royalty checks? Who gives a fuck? You look it up, you won't find anything. It? It's just like, I just think it's too defensive and too aggressive 
off the f- like off the hop. He didn't he didn't wade into it and answer the questions. He tried to cut that shit down, and then that discussion ends. And if you're saying this guy's who he says he is, that's a big get. That is a big get for this documentary. The fact he's it's in a it huge th- get. So the fact he's in it for huge. thirty seconds, he's went motherfucker. I ain't talking to you no more. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? What, what, what are you? But what, it's what he says. Well, shit, what's important to you here? Is it the money or is it Rodriguez? What is it, boy? Come on. <laughs> yeah, because he wanted to tell the story because you can tell he, he has admiration for him, but I think yes. he also like, like, yeah, I could find this guy, let him know he's a millionaire or uh, fuck him. <laughs> and, and I think... But I don't think that, there was any money. So but yeah, Clarence Avant, uh, check him out. But that, that there is a staple of the documentary, that one. The way this guy responds is fucking interesting. It's eyes oh, beautiful. He was the most interesting guy in it. So then Craig Bartholomew, in his search for Rodriguez, and th- this is where to me I'm like, you're you're ripping someone off here, because he goes, yeah. So I, I decided to visit the place that he mentions in his songs to try and find him. So I started off in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, London. Can you imagine if something happened to us, right? And, and they go to, yeah. like, he bitches about a gig in Crawley a lot. Maybe if I go to Crawley and ask about Rick Ward. <laughs> <laughs> Matt mentions Edinburgh. Does he live in Edinburgh? Because he talks about being successful in Edinburgh. Was he really? No, I wasn't. It was all bullshit. If Clarence, <laughs> if Clarence Avant was there. No, he was... He was nothing, that boy. He wasn't in anyone's top five. <laughs> and then they get in touch with him, and this was this was a fascinating turning point. So he gets in touch with the producer in Dearborn, which is this one lyric. So they went through his lyrics like with a fine tooth comb, just to find breadcrumbs, and to find the producer. And they said, "So how did Rodriguez really die?" And the producer said, "Courtney Love did it." <laughs> <laughs> He it's went all and the lived setup. with bears, right? <laughs> so, so it, basically, Courtney Cox was just pouring a little bit of paraffin into him every day, and eventually, he had a cigarette on stage. Both went up, and the Seattle police just didn't investigate it. Um, so, yeah, it turns out when they uh, when they get trapped down, his producer, how did Rodriguez die? And he went, "What do you want to do? He's not dead." Do you want to talk to his daughter? He's like, you what? And then for me, the documentary changed well, again. They didn't completely. even put him in touch with the daughter. They just did an article and it came across that's the right. dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right. The daughter saw it. it. Yeah, yeah. And went, I know this is weird, but that's my dad. Would you like to get in touch? And this is this is remarkable. Yeah. And that's the halfway but so you're forty five minutes into the documentary. And I'm like, this is shit. Oh, it's quite good. Oh, it's shit, it's quite good. This part would just, it just became brilliant from this part on for me. So, like, Absolutely. so the guy, yeah. uh, Sugar, at the beginning is like, okay, so he has this phone call with the daughter and it's amazing, has a chat with him, blah, 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 and says, at some point, I would love to talk to your dad. And then they said, at 1 a.m. that night, the phone rings and his missus answered and went, oh my God, it's him. So he. <laughs> And I love this. He doesn't take the phone off her. He goes into the other room because you're not stepping on my moment. <laughs> wonder, how, wonder how many sexual partners you've had. You've never been honest about that, have you? <laughs> so he goes off. I wait for her to put the phone down because she's not listening. In. <laughs> he was a terrible storyteller, wasn't he? And his name is, they call the reason he's in the story, he's the guy from the beginning. It's his, his military surname, nickname, yeah. His surname is Sergaman, And in the military, they called him Sugar. Yeah, sugar man. Sugar man. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's so, how um, famous the, the song was. That's um, that's the only link to the reason this geezer's in it. And the, the fact he, he got to write the, and, the intro on the CD. And then the documentary shows you this like derelict house in like Detroit. And then the window slowly opens. And I was just like, man, if Morbid puts his head out here, I am going to lose my shit. <laughs> 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 just if all the makeup go, I didn't kill Elisa Lamb, closes the window again. <laughs> so Rodriguez phones phones um sugar the south african yeah like you said at one of the morning and sugar said it was one of the greatest moments in his life yeah that's amazing that it's wow. absolutely incredible how this like unfolds and it, the, the fact that it's real this this kind of story is what i love about a documentary like yes it would, the kind of story that would be a bad movie because <laughs> it'd be unbelievable do you know what i mean yeah yeah you, you couldn't make it seem like on point so Basically, Rodriguez, after the second album didn't sell, just went into hard labor, just just worked yeah, day jobs, grafting his bollocks, and he's like, he's soft spoken. Um, the interview was so from, humble, so humble. And I, I saw the house, and I was like, "There's not 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 a lot of natural light in there." My mother would hate that. Um, <laughs> Rodriguez said, "I would have liked to have carried on making albums, but reality had to be lived." So he, he he went and worked in the building game and demolished houses. Basically. And then they got That's footage of him walking through Detroit in the snow. And I just had this image of him just going to the bar where his workmates hang out and go, see, fucking tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Told you I was mint. <laughs> now, bear in mind, he released his two albums in 1971. So this documentary is from 2012. So that would have been 42. Well, when they done when they found him, right? That was 1993. So that was like 25 years later. He must have been what at that what age? 50, 55. In this age, in between, you hear everything he did for his family, like a proper oh. working class on yeah. the breadline grafted, 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 just to give him a, a life and education. Like he was an activist. Um, yeah, ran for mayor in Detroit. I, I, yeah, I mean, it was it was wrong that he turned off the water supply, but other than that, Rodriguez was a really good guy. Um, they show you a picture of him. Um, he did construction in a tuxedo. <laughs> he did, yeah, yeah. And they and, said he, they said when he worked, he was so passionate about it. Like going, if he had to go and knock down a wall, he would do it with passion and vigor and enthusiasm. I loved him. I fell in love with the guy. Oh, like, oh, he's yeah, got a bit of a Matt Will spirit about him. Just yeah. fridges stuck to his back <laughs> as he's gone downstairs on his own. I'm like, I've seen that work ethic. <laughs> I'm so. And then they get him, so they like come and do some shows in South Africa, and they're like, "This is crazy. We'll go out and see what it's like." First yeah. off, people are struggling to believe it's the real Rodriguez. Like, yes. it's just like, oh my god, he's here, and. Um, because everyone's heard that he's dead, right? And they're reacting to him like it's Elvis everywhere he goes. Like, it's yeah. just an insane story. Like, you are getting yelled at for putting, putting bricks down too slowly one day. And you're like, you know, just chartered planes and fucking all this shit. It, yeah. Even the backing band didn't know if it was the real Rodriguez. Because yeah. like, we've heard this guy's been dead for so long. And then they're practicing his songs on the CD. And he literally comes in and finishes the song. In yeah. the practice, and like oh. this is and your amazing. goosebumps, right? At this level, your goosebumps are like, 
Okay, we're on standby. We're on standby. You see the gig. It looks like Earl's Court. Like, it is massive, the gig that he plays. And uh, when he walks out, it's a 10-minute standing ovation before he gets to play a song. (laughs) And I'm like... And that's it. Your goosebumps are now getting goosebumps on the goosebumps. I'm like, if he shoots himself in the head now, this is getting a five. Because it's not... But the reaction he gets, I got to be honest, like I was almost, I said this to be made to, um, yeah, I said, this is the one we're doing next. I says like at the end, I was almost clapping in the living room. I was that fucking happy for him. What a yeah. fucking story of just, yeah, absolutely amazing. Feel good to it. Like the response yeah. to him. The-, the way people lost their shit to his music, right? You'd never get that at a comedy gig. The way people react to music versus comedy is so different. Like, people are like, oh, yeah, he was funny. Yeah, that was funny. But men were, grown men were crying, right? These are grown South African men who had to do probably military service. They probably had to go and shoot people in the neighbouring country. And as children, they had to do this. They're crying at this guy's music. You're like, okay, all right, fair enough. You'd never get that reaction of comedy. In comedy, the nearest thing... I think you could imagine it being is, and not on the same cultural significance at all, but the closest thing in comedy would be Dave Chappelle's first gig back. He had that right. famous 10 years where he walked away for artistic reasons. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he was doing it again was a thing. And it's been, I, I struggle to think of, if Andy Kaufman came back, it turned out it was all a hoodwink. Maybe. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and then yeah. they'd be like, oh, he's quite irritated, isn't he? Yeah, we only, <laughs> we, yeah, we, we only really heard the pearlers and saw Jim Carrey do an amazing job during a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Next to Courtney Love, the woman's, the woman's a muse. Um, <laughs> so Rodriguez played six sold-out concerts in South Africa, and they went batshit for him. And what do you do once you've sold six sold-out concerts in South Africa? Well, you go back to Detroit and you carry on demolishing houses. Showed what a them, guy! Showed them the newspaper clippings at work, and they're like, yeah. "Oh my god!" Like, is this you in front of six thousand people <laughs> crying to see you? Like, and, yeah, and he's like, "Yeah." They're like, "Okay, can you carry that toilet, please?" Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure, no problem, boss. And his boss was called Emerson, right? And what I loved about Emerson because he was speaking really highly of Rodriguez, and he went, "He's a great worker." He's the guy you want, right? And he laughed like Colin Quinn, Emerson, his boss. And anyone anyone who's got any connection to Colin Quinn, I'm in. He's just, he's adorable. When you see him and he's doing the walk, it's the walk back to work after you know these gigs have happened. Yeah. I I just envisioned Kate Nash driving past and being like, oh my God, I'm playing the walnut tree today. How embarrassing. (laughs) I'm like, "This this is fucking suffering, Kate. All right. He didn't have MySpace. Look at him. <laughs> he even meets, and how weird would this be if you had had this? He meets a Rodriguez impersonator. Yeah, and guys with tattoos of him on him and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they were just, like, he signed autographs for hours. It was just literally. It was a, beautiful. Ha- it was the best happy ending to a documentary I've seen. I, I agree. Cause um, I, I, but I'm now thinking, and this is how you've scarred me, Wharton, right? I'm like, he's got to die. 
That's documentary rules. <laughs> That's 101, right? He, this guy's got to die. He's got to get cancer. We've got, then got to see... Because there's at least 15 minutes to go. They can't drag out a happy story for 15 minutes. This poor guy's got to die. Hey, I, t- I tell you what, like, I, I with what it, with what this guy's in, the way he was screwed over. Literally, he wasn't some, screwed I, over. I, no, I truly believe he was because they were they were le- they were records legitimately bought. They were purchased from someone. That money goes but, somewhere, but not in America, right? He didn't sell yeah, them. You had to buy them many... from America. They were made in America. But when they got to South Africa, apartheid there was, was so strong. Boot, they there was would, a lot of bootlegging would, and stuff like a, that. Yes, and they scratched the tracks on the album so that they couldn't be played, like the ones about the Sugar Man, the actual you know Sugar yeah. Man. Uh, the one about having on the sex radio, with... the ones with the the ones who got them from the radio, yeah. they, they've been scratched off and stuff like that. Which, which you know, that Avant knew about. Funny enough, he knew that little bit of information, even though he didn't know he was big in fucking South Africa. <laughs> he was bigger than the Rolling Stones and Elvis. Could he just exactly? And the difference to the the life him and his family would have had, and to, for him to be able to sit there as a fucking modest man. And be like, yeah, I, I'd say let them... This is what I'd put it down, a, a similarity. Do you remember the first, last episode of Only Fools and Horses? So you've yep. watched seven seasons. You've seen people come, go, die, miscarriages, all sorts of... They, they tugged on your heartstrings, and in between yeah. that, there's an episode each time of them trying to get rich. Now, when they finally win the lottery, when they finally win the lottery, not the lottery, sorry, when they sell the watch... Yeah. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> and they get millions each. They go to be millionaires. That episode doesn't end there. You you get to enjoy about 15 minutes of them now in their new lives as this as an ending. And it's one of the most beautiful endings to a TV show I've ever seen. And yeah. then they fuck it up with the Christmas specials, but then the yes. viewerships yeah, yeah. and the actors in it deserve a payday. So I would have done the exact same shit. But that ending, I would liken it to this, where, like, have Rodrigo have his fucking moment. Because at the end of the day, if he changed his name to Billy Smiths, he would have been a millionaire in America. Yeah, he, he would never have been. heard of Bobby, Bob Dylan. But the guy's integrity, his artistic direction, I thought he was fantastic. And um, yeah, man. the, the yeah, life yeah. he gave to us, he was a good person, not a bitter man. Like, the word bitter nope. was never mentioned. Now, I can't even begin to say the strength of a character that you would say that about. Like he was amazing, really. You and then suddenly you're like, oh, okay. Now looking back at the documentary, and now knowing that I know it won the Oscar and it, you know, it grossed nine million dollars, you're like, yeah, okay, I can see it now. And then I started thinking, is this what it's going to be like when me and you tour Venezuela? Is this what it's going? <laughs> Whoa, Rick Warren, it's him. Oh, my God. There's people there with novelty vape pens. <laughs> going, like, like a foam finger in the wrestling. <laughs> Isn't it funny seeing him talk in real life? Just some absolute <laughs> nutcase woman just coming up. You're going, I had my skin taken off to put in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Gracias, Venezuela. Do they speak Spanish in Venezuela? As, as I, I have it. been... Putting through subliminally through hours of little little hints. Our true fans hear the hints um, that you can overthrow your government, Venezuela. You can get that shit done. Like, and we believe in you. Um, but what I want to see is that. <laughs> <laughs> what what helped you, Venezuela? Was it the uh, was it the sanctions that was put against your government from? 
other governments around the world. Well, it was that. Plus, there was this Geordie on a podcast who just inspired the movement. He was awesome. There was an episode where he mocked his friend's squeaky voice. And I think when we heard that, we realized we can be free. And that, that's, that's all I wanted to get out. You know, that's all I wanted to get out of. Um, if this podcast has only helped one person, we're going to be happy. I just want to see the rejuvenation Iraq has when the witch doctors go out there. With, ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> walla, walla, bing, bang. <laughs> just for instance, if there is any music nerds, that wasn't actually number one during the 7-7 bombings. I just had to think of a ridiculous joke coupled with a disaster. <laughs> that's, 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 what I spent, no, that's what I spent yesterday doing, trying to think of what would be the most ridiculous song I can put oh, with a disaster. Sake. And I, and it I sounded didn't. so plausible. <laughs> <laughs> And this and is that gr- that is also a message to the Venezuelans saying you have the the wool pulled over your eyes. What a port. What a port. Do you know he works with, <laughs> do you know he works in Quicksafe now? <laughs> is he better? You better fucking believe he's better. <laughs> does he want to come and tour See, Venezuela? I, yes, he I does. don't understand why he didn't move out there. That's my thing. Why wouldn't you just move there and well, tour constantly? Well, here's the thing. His daughter yep. met uh a fella so, when she was no, on tour with her dad. The yeah, chaperones the, the they got is a security guard. guard. Yeah. She married him and they've got a kid. Beautiful. Out there, yeah. And, and do you know what he did with all his money? Gave it away to his family and his friends. Is that what? He hasn't got... Yeah, he's got no use for money. Gave it all away. He still lives in that same house he's lived in for 40 years. Yeah, you see him with like a wood burner in his room. You're like, yeah. all right, Rodriguez... I'm seeing a bit of martyrdom here. Just go to South Africa and live a good life. You've heard it. Come on, mate. Yeah. And the weather in Cape Town is superb. So, yeah, it was just the the, the ultimate. I I had so many goosebumps by the end. I was, I nearly, I nearly blubbed. I really did nearly blub. you know what? Blub. No, no, it wasn't, wasn't far off. But, uh... um, and I, I think I needed that after, because we have watched some bloody miserable documentaries lately. And as funny as Class Action Park was, uh, it wasn't as uplifted as this because <laughs> this was genuinely uplifted. I yeah, I'd, I'd recommend this one strongly. Um, we do need a little bit of murder now, though. That's a, that's in your near future. Don't worry, Matthew. Um, so yeah, so a big thanks to Dale and Amanda and anyone else who recommended that to me. So thank you because I really, I genuinely enjoyed that. That was a great way to spend the afternoon. And then I had a massive porridge sugar crash so, <laughs> so score it Ricky and, and the score fact it. you're going keto and you keep on singing the word sugar man is fucking hilarious sugar to man. me <laughs> <laughs> well it was better than what I was singing on the class action park so uh, we're doing alright well right. yeah but it's the fact that keto you can't have sugar and you're clearly, clearly going through withdrawal <laughs> and you're like sugar man I, I miss it I miss it <laughs> fuck I miss it I have a little bit. Um, right, so give us a score there, Rick. What are you I'm going to a very sc- good 4.5. I thought this was class. Wow. I really, like like, like I said, that was a story worth hearing. I thought his talent oh deserved, deserved uh, recognition. And even the filler waffle bits were short enough. Do you know what I mean? And by the way, calling all web sleuths. Do you see these guys? They went and did something for 20 years and then told us the story of what happened. What they didn't do is pull it out their fucking arse every 10 minutes and post it everywhere. All right? that's what... They didn't turn this into a four-hour, four-part docuseries, did they? But I, yeah, I think since you've moved up north, I think you've gone soft. I was I was expecting you to really slag this one I off. I've got to be honest, Matt, since I've moved up north, you're the only person I talk to that isn't aggressive. I need it on a daily basis. 
You have to watch Sugar Man before you get out of bed every day so you feel good about yourself. <laughs> right, I'll give you my score then. Do you want to have a guess at what I'm going to give this? I think you're going five. I'm going five, baby. And if you would have gone anything below four, I would have up, I would have increased it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, this was brilliant. This was this was absolutely, absolutely superb documentary. So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, really highly recommend this one. Searching for Sugar Man. There was a part of me. Do you know, uh, there's some guys that went out to New Zealand, did like the New Zealand Comedy Festival that I saw like them post about it on Facebook. Right. And they said it's just the most amazing place to do comedy. Like the audiences are so up for it. Yeah. Everything goes well. It sells out because there's not a lot of stuff going on there. And I thought, is South Africa just an easy gig? Is it just that Alton working men's oasis we yeah. found where like a hundred people pack it and just laugh at the end of every sentence, no matter what happens, because they're in a good mood to be there. But yeah, no, they're just pleased to be out. Six door Rodriguez, if again, just like again, sliding doors, just a slightly different name, which shows a lot yes. about America as well. I would recommend checking out his stuff on YouTube or if you can purchase some stuff on Amazon from him because... This guy, he deserves it, and what a fucking life to not be bitter about! Like it's, it's oh, yeah. a fairy tale, honest, honest to god fairy yeah. tale. It's a good way to live your life. And this week we've had some beautiful reviews on Facebook and recommendations. And if you want to do that, that'd be great because it's good for our egos. And you can also support us by pressing the coffee button on the link in the podcast. Well, thank you for the the people that did that. Um, I, I'm yeah. assured that A um, and M Records over there is going to send over my half <laughs> at some point, but we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? I might have, I might be stacking shelves again. There's costs involved, Rick Warren. We're saving up to go to. We're saving up to go to Venezuela. God damn it! That's where the good cash is. Hey, the Venezuelans are saving up to bring us over. Remember that. <laughs> right. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Which I, I, have we got any clue of what we're doing next? I don't think we have. It's uh, it's coming up soon. As you cannot kill David Arquette, but Matt's Matt's doing a literary of uh, research on that one first. Apparently, so they've just released uh, Disney have just released a channel called Star, and on that channel they've got a Diamond Dallas Page documentary. I've so I'm going to have. Them. Is that relentless? Uh, I don't know what it's called. I just saw Diamond Dallas Page, and I was like, "Oh my god, I know Diamond Dallas Page." There's, okay. a, there's a bunch of them on Prime, right? And okay, Netflix. so um, yeah, so um, I'm gonna have to delay the Arquette one just because I want to watch that documentary as well. The Dallas Page one won't affect it, but fa- fair enough. Fair enough. All right, listen, guys, thank you very much for listening, and uh, yeah, check out the Sugar Man, one of our best ones yet, for in my opinion, in a very different tone to it as well. It's pretty much one of a kind. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, See you next week. Ta-da.